Homeowners in Philadelphia are getting a reprieve from foreclosure, and Ryan Serhant, million-dollar listing, says your brokerage doesn't matter. Tune in to Tool Time right now. We are back. You know the name of the show at this point. I'm Tom Tool. She's Jess Lyon. Jess used to think nobody watched the show until we started getting some comments recently, so keep them coming. Yeah, please comment. We got a lot of people that uh, contacted us who had skin in the game with the stories. Very interesting. We're trying to get them in here on, on some video, talk to them directly. That's not what we're here to talk about today. Bright, I know you're listening. I'm talking to you. So... The first story, what I found really interesting, and and I know, Jess, you have some really good comments on this as well, is that there are people in the city of Philadelphia that are facing foreclosure, and now they're getting a bit of a reprieve. So to give you some background before we get into either side of this, there are 20 homeowners in Philadelphia that are getting a foreclosure reprieve because the PHFA, Pennsylvania Housing Finance Agency, is reevaluating its policy that kept people from participating in the city program because of outstanding debts, meaning to get their loans modified. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about all this? I feel like this is still, we're still feeling the the shockwave of everything that was happening in 2008. People were getting mortgages, getting approved for mortgages that really shouldn't have been. I do think that there should be some kind of program like this to help these homeowners who are being proactive saying, hey, I have these liens, I have these debts that I need to take care of, and kind of work with these people who are trying to get it taken care of. Um, But the lady in this story, I I know there was a water main break and it was like $2,000, but she also had a water bill for like $9,000. So like, you you have to look into each case, and that's going to take a very long time, but you have to look into each case and see what kind of debts they have. Because if it's like crazy credit card debt or something like that, I don't know if you need to pay your bill. That's a really good point, and I, I don't disagree with paying your bills. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of times where people get into these messes, but that money went somewhere, no matter what it was, and they had to get approved somehow. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this particular case that they're talking about here, her loan was approved in 2012. Mm-hmm. So True. that's when things were like the other way on the pendulum. She bought the home for $80,000. There was a water main break, and now they're looking at modifying the mortgage from the payment being about $1,000 down to six twenty-five. That's, That's almost big. a 40% decrease yeah. in the payment. So to me, that, that obviously is going to help her. And, and the program that you're talking about here, just to give people some perspective, it's called the Residential Mortgage Foreclosure Diversion Program that was born out of the recession in 08, and it helped 14,000 foreclosures by working with lenders to lower the payments. And in 2019... About 5,000 properties in Philly entered foreclosure, and that's down from about 12,700 in 2010. So you're looking at less than half. And they were doing loan modifications all the time. This is not an unheard of program. It's just specific to the city. Uh, the, The challenge I see here is that, great, the payment's lower, but there's state laws in place that utility holders, they get paid first, right? Like, this is what happens when people get foreclosed on. So the challenge is... Um, repaying the municipal liens like gas and water, they're the first priority. And obviously getting people to helping them prevent foreclosure and eviction, that's going to help poverty. That's going to help a lot of things. At the same time, I mean, there's still a bill that was not being paid there. And, you know, that's where, and apparently it was like relatives staying with her and they didn't help pay the bills Mm -hmm. and all, all this other stuff. So what I, 
agree with is the program makes sense if you can, because these banks, I mean, they're not going to get anything until they take the property to the market anyway. And we don't know what it would sell for. I didn't do any research. I don't have an address. And banks don't want to hold properties typically. Right. So the program makes sense. At the same time, I mean, there's got to be some sort of like you can't just spend your money on other stuff and not pay your housing bill. No, absolutely. Not. I mean, that that's where you know I, that that wouldn't fly for me. That, that wouldn't fly for you. Be at the top so of your priority list that your utilities. Make sure that's all unlocked, and then then take care of the rest. Well, and and, and this is really it's got to be a case by case basis. Like the water main right. break. You know, I, I mean, I'm surprised there's only like 20 cases. Well, there's 20 cases right now. I mean, yeah. and there's also people that ignore it and don't do anything. And that's yeah. the ones that get foreclosed on. So just because there's 20 cases doesn't mean there's only 20 people this is happening to. And what, what, what I will say is that you made a really good point that this has got to be evaluated on a case by case basis. Right. Because there's going to be certain situations where like a water main break. That's probably because the infrastructure in the city sucks. Yeah. And all these pipes are breaking. I mean, this is not the first time I've seen. I've seen water main breaks like literally. Like in like na- like Northern Liberties mm-hmm. and other neighborhoods where, where I used to live. So that happens a lot. That shouldn't be on the homeowner. So I can see this particular situation making sense. But someone that's ignoring it or just not paying their bills, that's a much different story. And they definitely need to be proactive like these 20 people. A lot of people just ignore it, like you said. Well, they ignore it. They think it's going to go away. Next thing you know, the sheriff's coming. And I mean, that, that's and the reality out. of the situation. And it's scary. It's I mean, it's fearful. But that's where you need the help of a professional. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, call any agent out there and they can at least walk you down the path of what's going to happen. And you can look at selling the home, liquidating the asset, getting your equity out, because otherwise that's gone. And a lot of times foreclosures, they have equity in the home. Sometimes they just say they don't want to sell it or they get fed up or they get ticked off. That's not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So case by case, that's the uh, the, the conclusion the here, here, right? Yes, absolutely. So the Ooh, broke story. agents... The broke agent's favorite real estate icon, Ryan Serhan. Is it his favorite? I think he has a poster of him in his bedroom. What about actually. you? You know, I don't. I don't look at any of these guys like icons. I look at it where the level I'm trying to raise our team to, which no, is a little different. No, I thought different. the broke agent thought you were his. No, icon. I think he rated me we as his send like him a poster of you. Is his 43,000th favorite person he met this year? I believe was the was the number. Wow. Uh, but he talks about Ryan <laughs> Serhan all the time, and. Okay. You know, all, all that being said, I've seen Ryan Serhan <coughs> speak um, at, uh, at, at Sales Edge. We, I, we were there, yeah. yeah. And I've seen him speak at Agent 2021 down in Miami. And he came out, and they, they, they interviewed him on Inman. And what he said was, no one cares about your brokerage. And it's about brand building. And it raised the question to us, like, does the brokerage you work for actually matter? Yeah. So what do you think about all this? When I was first getting into the business um, – when I was like 24 years old, I, to be very honest, didn't look at which brokerage I was going with. Remax, Keller Williams didn't have any bearing on the decision that I was making. I was looking more into what the team was doing. Um, And I think that's definitely what he's talking about here. But also he's talking about branding. And that's what's people my age and people any age really now with social media are going to be looking at your presence on there. And if you're not, I look at people who are on social media and if they're not posting all the time about their craft or whatever, I'm like, well, what are you doing? They're not the expert. So we post all the time, tool time videos, other videos, open houses, things like that. So it's a, a level of building trust and people become familiar with you. So I think that the, the brand is definitely more important than the brokerage. So do you know what uh, brokerage Ryan works for? Yes, I do. I have to look it. <laughs> so you have to look it up. Nest right? Seekers. Right? So I, I asked her that question <laughs> before the show, and she I didn't, didn't know. know. And I still don't know. 
Well, Nest Seekers is who we Nest well, and that that's a boutique, you know, a luxury market brokerage. That's not the point. The point is, you knew him. You didn't know his brokerage, right. and you know, I, th- I think the question becomes: Are you getting hired because because brand building is great? We're in this business to sell real estate, right? Like ultimately, that's the end game. So, are people hiring based on the company you work for? And there's probably some that do because they had a good experience in the past. I would say it's maybe older generations like baby boomers, the silent generation, those sort of people. And then are, or are they hiring because of the marketing that the individual t- agent, the team, whatever whatever the, the entity is going to be is, is that's what's getting people hired. Yeah. Like that's really the question. And to me, there is no doubt in my mind that we would be successful no matter what company we worked for. Right. I don't, I don't have any question about that. Um, and what I know is that our brand as a team, to me – on a local level, because that's what he's talking about here. Nationally, obviously, you can't compete with these brokerages. On a local level, I'm clear our brand is stronger than the majority of others out there because of how we're educating consumers, Mm -hmm. how we're helping them understand stuff, how we're giving them information about the market without looking for something in return, which is the total opposite of what realtors used to do, where they would say, okay, you got to come work with me, and then I'll show you all the homes for sale. Like, those days are gone, and I, I got into the business when that was still kind of happening on, on a lower level. The, when Realtor.com was the big upstart, not the case anymore. So there is no question to me that if you take your business seriously, your brokerage will not matter. Yeah. However, if you don't take your business seriously and you're running on a dependent model where you're hoping someone's going to let you sit at the front desk and answer the phone and do floor time, <laughs> then you might need to think about what brokerage you're working That's with. That's a good point. Because it's going to be up to the individual and how strong of a business person they are, mm-hmm. not how strong of, or as strong of an agent they are, not so much who they're working for, where they are. Because at the end of the day, you know what the, the what, what top producers do, what the, what the biggest trade of them is? We've talked about this a little bit. What's your take? What the top producers do? One thing. Top producers talk to the most people. Oh, yeah. Right? We know so, that. That doesn't have anything to do with the company. That has to do with their actions they're taking on a daily basis. And then branding comes in to spread that word, give consumers the right information, and ultimately help educate them and give them something of value rather than just say, hey, the market's really hot right now. Call me if you know anyone who's looking to buy or sell. Consumers are too smart for that now. They are very smart, and they're doing their homework before they approach an agent. And that's how, that's where the value comes in. You're actually giving them all this information ahead of time for, for nothing. 100%. So I totally agree with this. Yeah, me too. I'm clear that as we I see... Think he knows what he's talking about. Well, obviously, because he's built a brand and, and he's one of the top agents in the country. Yeah. Uh, and what I'll, I'll take even further is we've already started to see that there's a lot of mega teams. They go out on their own and they're their own entity. They don't have a brokerage. I mean, there's a couple of people that come to mind. Um, Chris Lindahl up in Minnesota, they did 600, 700 transactions last year. I mean, that's, that's one of them right away. Um, Lisa Chinati, a good friend of ours, right. she has her own brokerage. They did 500 sales last year. They have their own independent brokerage buoyed by her team. So that's the brand. Yep. It's not I – mean, you could you probably don't even know what brokerage Lisa works for, do you? You've no, met her I a couple – Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a great example, Sorry, right? Sorry, Lisa. Well, I, but I the, know you do a lot of business, The though, point is you know it. Lisa because yeah. that's her brand. So yeah. I think those are a couple great examples of what he's talking about on the smaller level because we're not on million-dollar listing and all these different TV shows. Right. Brand matters. Ryan was right here. The broke agent's probably very happy right now. I hope Ryan's watching. Yes. Well, I, hope, <laughs> I, I guarantee you the broke agent is because he's, he's got a lot of free time. All right. So I have some. I have a quote for us. I was listening to Pretty Big Deal this morning, and 
Cleo Wade. What's Pretty Big Deal? I think I talked about it a few times on the show. Pretty Big Deal is a podcast that they also have it on YouTube, hosted by Ashley Graham, who is a, a model, um, and she advocates um, body positivity, all that stuff. She has different people on her show every week just who are promoting different things. And uh, Cleo Wade is a poet. She's a writer. She's an author. Um, and today on the show she was talking about, like, self-care and all of that kind of stuff and she said boundaries don't mean I don't love you boundaries mean I am going to love you and myself at the same time and before we get into what it means to you it rung true to me because I see it in terms of the people who you spend time with and maybe not like I love you but I do care about you but in some cases I find that if I'm not um, progressing in the way that I want to kind of have to do an audit of the people that are around you and maybe cut them out because their values and their goals don't align with yours. Um, and I've seen that I had to do that in different areas of my life in order to get where I wanted to be or on the right track of where I wanted to be. Well, there's a study. I mean, it's the people you spend, like the five people you spend your most time with, you start to adapt to their behaviors and, and traits. So it's so true. Well, I, it, it's like documented and proven, but you know, it's, it's easy to say that until it actually happens to you. Right. So, um, you know, having boundaries, I mean, you talk about self-care. And so what I think of immediately when you said that, and I don't get these quotes before we get on here, just, just as a point of reference. So I think of like the, the 5 a.m. call that, that, that we do when I moderate with a couple other people you know, mm-hmm. um, specifically like Byron Lazine up in Connecticut, Scott Campa, Jill Bedreau, and uh, Karen Stone. They're all up and down the Northeast. And Byron gets on this call, and like literally every time he hosts it, he says, this is my time to be selfish so I can be selfless the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And he gets up, he goes to the gym, does his own thing, and, and like I think of like a morning routine. Where like I don't get bothered then. And part of it is because I wake up and I know no one's – that's my boundary. I know yeah. everyone's going to be sleeping. Mm-hmm. So that works, and I can take care of my health. I can prep my day because there's all these time wasters and got a minute and all this stuff that comes at you when you walk in the door at any office. Right. So to me, I mean – the love part means I care about you, whatever. That, that I don't. I, That's I get, part of self care. I feel like because you need to know when you need to cut certain people out of your life in order to do better for yourself. Well, I'm not cutting anyone out of my life then, but I'm. I have a boundary that I know yeah. that. I mean, I'm not getting phone calls. At, well, I have gotten phone calls that early before, but I'm. I'm typically it's not like phone calls, and I know I can punt till. I've got some some time, and then like my kids get up and all that stuff. So if you want to think about like love, like that's in my house, I have to draw that own boundary myself. Yeah. Because I know that they don't have any boundaries, and they shouldn't. They're seven, five, and three. That's fine. But I need to take care of myself too, so I can be a better parent. I can be a better husband. So that that's a really good. I think you have to you know looking at that. The boundary is something you need to create almost in a lot of cases. Absolutely. Very cool. Catch you guys next week.